Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Wednesday, May 3rd, 2023, and we're going concise today. (laughs) Probably concise for T-Lab, but even concise on each individual segment. I have limited time today, and I've just... It seems just one after another, day after day, it's getting more and more difficult to get all the stuff that I have in my head out on these shows because of the time that it takes. But that's it's why it's, it's important. What, what this is, is important. The independent media doing this is important. And we're going to be talking about something very specific today. But I've got a few of the things that I wanted to include that I'm going to try to go through very quickly in the beginning that I just want to make sure people are seeing. And that you guys have the tools and the links below to go forward on. But we're going to be focusing on the main part the, the latter half of the show today, which is going to be M- the Omicron deception. I've been talking about it a lot. There's a, the ethical skeptic put out a really interesting post that I wanted to kind of combine all the stuff we've been talking about from Botswana to South Africa to what we've seen from it and what he included or he or she, I'm actually not sure, but the, the account ethical skeptic included. And I, I think it's actually really profound. And I think it's very important to what is another arm of this very clear illusion that we're seeing play out. But let's just get right into it today. I want to start off with some other things that are some unrelated, but the, some the most of it's going to be COVID-related to overlap into this point to finish today on the show. But to start, again, just a few points I wanted to rattle off to make sure people saw. Now, this is by the Vigilant Fox. Another bank failure just made Chase Bank even more powerful. Now, that's not the point. You guys saw this most likely. We saw, we talked about First Republic Bank. We already, In fact, we already knew this was basically coming when the first SVB Bank discussion was coming out. And the point is, this is indicative of a problem. Absolutely. We've talked about this a lot. As he says, the transaction of First Republic makes J.P. Morgan Chase already the nation's biggest bank. As, as uh, Catherine Austin Fitz, check out my recent interview with her. SVB was executed. That's the title where she'll tell you that one of the main points was basically to drive people away from the small banks under the guise that they're the insecure ones and go align themselves with the larger banks, which is ultimately the main point. So she believes largely this is not necessarily that's inorganic, really. But since that we saw this, I thought this was really interesting. Now, one this first segment in general, kind of eclectic, lots of different things. The main point, though, we see them. You see them. People are seeing through these people, the elitists, the authority, they're, 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 I'm going to show an important meme here in a minute, right here actually, that I want to you know, make a point about. But this is the idea, they're, they're puppets, the 4%, as this meme puts it. We see through them. We see through all of it. People, I think it's the majority. I've thought that a long time and COVID-19 and plenty of other topics since have only made that more clear to me. And I say that because this happens every single day. Every day. And people are now having the courage to point it out. We are seeing it. We are looking for it. And for the podcast, what it says is Congresswoman Lois, uh, I, I guess Lois, Lewis, Lois, Frankel, Frankel, Lewis Frankel, that's a weird name for her, sold First Republic Bank in March before the stock dropped 80%. Now that alone should raise eyebrows. Then she sold First Republic, or after she sold First Republic, she then bought J.P. Morgan Chase, which just bought First Republic. And of course, she made lots of money. She, according to Matt Allen, and I agree, she clearly had inside information. He's from Insights on uh, Investing, Money, and Wealth from uh, Bloomberg. <laughs> so, to, you know, not that that means you should be trusting or listening to what they say more than anybody else, but this is the mainstream entity calling out a congresswoman 
in real time on Twitter, like that happens. But my point is, this is the kind of thing they're not supposed to talk about. It says, if me or you did this, we would be in prison. And he's right. What, what happened with COVID when they all made a bunch of money by selling things before they were supposed to know there was going to be a problem? This, this is constant. The point is, that's one small aspect of a gigantic psyop. Which is not probably even the best word for it, but that's really what we're talking about. But ultimately, a manipulation. These people are constantly doing, and it's multi-leveled, multi-tiered. People on the end just trying to make a little bit of money by knowing what they know. People in the middle trying to achieve an agenda, but also trying to exert control beneath you know those beneath them. And you know, the people at the top, it's all about control here. Money has seemingly long since been a concern for them. So all of this is about how they're controlling the day in and day out control of information, control of your perception. And then, you know, I would say people like this, you know, they're just profiting off of the insider knowledge they have and because they're puppets. That'd be my opinion. Now, oh, before I go forward, I wanted actually, since I showed you this, I'm gonna, I'll just say it right now in the beginning, kind of same point for all of this, is I want you to ask the question about whether or not we are past the point of this 4%, or rather the 5%. The meme says 1% control the world. 4% are their puppets. 90% are asleep. 5% know and try to wake that 90%. The 1% uses the 4% that are their puppets to prevent the 5% from waking up that 90% that's still asleep. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it may sound confusing, but look at it. Think about it. It's very, and it's very simple. My point is simply this. This makes sense. And I mean, these are just numbers we're guessing at. But what happens when we're no longer 5%? Right? So you got 1% puppets. Now, again, these are just numbers making a point, but let's just say this is the reality. You have 1% controllers, 4% puppets, 90% asleep. There's 5% trying to wake the 90 up, and they're using the 4% puppets to stop us. What happens when we're 6%? What happens when we're 20% and their 4% puppets are trying to stop us? What happens when we're 30% and their 4% of puppets are trying? Well, guess what? We're watching that happen right now. That's what I believe. We are watching the loss of control, the loss of the narrative, and the desperate attempt to try to regain that, to try to shove people back into that asleep category. I believe that we're past that, and I think they're scared of that. But on that note in general, one of the most obvious examples of cover-up and just absolute malfeasance and criminal activity that I've ever seen, possibly outside of, or not possibly, outside of COVID-19, April 29th. Now, this is actually... You know, so many days back, we talked about one, I think, after this. But either way, this is on Fox News. East Palestine resident experiencing lesions, stomach pain, shortness of breath since the train derailment. Now, of course, could it be something else? Yes. But almost every person they talk to in East Palestine is suffering symptoms, vomiting, headaches. And just, they literally are still telling them that's not true. This is worse than any kind of cover up I've ever seen. This is the most obvious where people are literally bleeding, literally vomiting, and they're going, no, you're good because my test said so. So now we're more concerned about what their arbitrary tests are saying, despite, you know, this is just like the vaccine discussion. So no, 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 we say they're safe, so you're wrong. Your child didn't die. Okay, thank you. Well, Courtney Miller, an East Palestine resident, described her symptoms to Fox News, claiming she has many different issues. So it's not just one isolated thing. Quote, a lot of it is stomach pain constant stomach pain now that may seem small but think about that just non-stop I mean, th this is debilitating it feels like stabbing in my stomach she says i've had a shortness of breath we're talking intermittently or but generally non-stop like she has not she has had problems since this started 
I've tried to go to the hospital a few times, she says, because of it. And they're telling me they, that, get this, that she doesn't meet criteria. At what point did hospitals stop treating people? We just saw that BC Children's Hospital say, hey, if you've got a fever or your child is sick, wait and come back when they're not sick. That is an actual post from the BC Children's Hospital. So what are they there for? So this is the same point. What do you mean criteria? She's sick. Her stomach hurts. She's got lesions on her face. And you're just going, nope. Something weird is going on there. And we already saw the guy with the video going in to try to get tested for, for I think it was vinyl chloride, out of his own pocket. And they were going, no, the CDC said that the time frame has passed. He's like, I don't care. I'm paying for it. And they're like, well, we, we don't know. What do you mean you don't know? So clearly there's some kind of pressure to not test for what they know is happening. Miller also described lesions on the right side of her face with pus oozing out. This, I mean, how do you possibly ignore this? Now, yeah, it could be something else, except for the fact that many other people are dealing with, dealing with similar things, except for the fact that half the CDC team just recently, in the uh, second week of March, just got sick. And then they go, oh, maybe fatigue. But it's the exact same symptoms and also the symptoms the CDC says you should get if dealing with these chemicals. But you know what? The test said you're fine, so everybody shut up. Miller says she lives about 100 yards from the train derailment site and has taken samples of the water, claiming the EPA is lying. Now, since the February train derailment, the other East Palestine residents have spoken out about their health effects, which nobody seems to care about. We just talked about Shelby Walker. She claims she's... I can't stand this, by the way. At least Fox News is talking about it. But what do you mean she claims she tested positive? Did Did you look? Did you ask her? If you didn't, then why are you even saying it? You're a journalist, right? She says I tested positive. You go, how do you know? Oh, you got a test? Let me see the test. I guarantee that happened, but they still say claim she tested positive. Really? I mean, at the very least, right, the doctor diagnosed her. The point is the doctor literally tested her and she had benzene and vinyl chloride in her urine. We showed you the full breakdown. And yet Fox News, she claims she tested positive. I just think at every level, it seems so stupid. But Miller told... Kilimede, she was not she has not received any financial assistance since the incident to help with medical coverage, but plans on traveling to New York to find answers. Great. So you know how we keep hearing that they're doing everything and they're paying for everything? It's not happening. Has not received any financial assistance despite being sick, despite going to the hospital, and she's literally going to New York to find out what's going on. I can't just, this is painful to be so obviously happening, and yet I guess even though we all know, nothing stops. This is the world that we're in, guys, and we need to acknowledge this until we can, before we can change it. And, of course, the two-party paradigm stops us from doing it together, and therefore it doesn't actually change. Now, another interesting note on the point of the vinyl chloride and the dioxin conversation, all the different symptoms we've talked about, right? This is a new post from the CDC, what they call COCA, COCA Now, a CDC clinician outreach and communication activity. It says similarities in symptoms of SARS-CoV-2 infection and carbon monoxide poisoning. That's interesting. Well, that's just, it's a whole other discussion to get into. But what I want to focus on today is it says COVID-19 cases, hospitalizations and deaths are rising across the United States. Oh, are they? Now, I don't know. I can't, I couldn't find what year this post came out. So it it very well could be, you know, I would argue this is coming out with the context and what they're talking about in here. It's probably last year, if not right now. But you look, I, I looked and. I, I didn't have time to look up the thing. Look up for yourself. The point is not necessarily exactly when it came out, but the idea of the symptoms, whenever this came out, look at what it says. Carbon monoxide poisoning incidence also raises with the onset of cooler weather and greater use of heating systems. The symptoms of COVID-19 
may overlap with symptoms of CO poisoning, including headache, dizziness, weakness, nausea, vomiting, chest pain, and altered mental status with no alternative explanation. Okay, first of all, that can be like of 100,000 things, but what does it sound like exactly? I mean, like down to the exact terminal, almost the same formulation, the same order of the words, what we're hearing from East Palestine. I just thought that was pretty crazy. So now you're getting people that are the whole, the half, the seven of the 15 CDC members that were on site, they had headaches, dizziness, weakness, nausea, vomiting, all of it. I just think that's pretty interesting. And so now what is it going to be? Oh, it's all CO2. It's all carbon monoxide. Oh, it turns out there was a huge carbon monoxide leak. Or even that it turns out you all have COVID-19 in East Palestine. It has nothing to do with the train. Who knows? Just a thought. But I just think that's pretty interesting. Spend back to that first point, the idea that that is the focal point. Doesn't that sound like the flu? <laughs> yeah. Seeing as how this is actually less dangerous than the flu, if it exists at all, seeing as how that's the current peer-reviewed science, no one, the corporate media doesn't want to talk about, probably the flu. But Scott C. Smith here has been doing his continued work. Now, I was under the impression that we were going to be doing an interview with him. I talked to him four different times, twice on the phone. Each time he was excited to speak with us and have an interview. And I guess I understand now why it didn't happen. <laughs> if you watch this video, News Nation's got the exclusive on his data, which I find very frustrating and interesting. That is that best for the truth? <laughs> I don't know why that happened. I, I'm not going to speak to it. Nonetheless, his work is important, so we're going to talk about it. As aired on News Nation, fentanyl of chemicals. Independent tester finds dioxins in East Palestine. Now, we're, let's just watch the clip. I have a really hard time taking the person seriously that's doing the interview, seeing as how he says the word controlled burn or the term like six times in this interview, continually asking people, what happened to you after controlled burn? Again, you may think that's an accident, but sometimes that's how this works, where you, they know how clearly this is exposed, so they just got to make sure they cement certain facts behind the thing they're admitting to, which it wasn't a controlled burn. We must remember that. It was by definition not controlled. Without the controlled flow of oxygen, which they did not do, let, along with many other things, it's not even by close, not even close to a controlled burn. Let's watch this clip. The Norfolk Southern train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio, raised serious questions about how dangerous chemicals are transported through towns across America. Accident may just be beginning. That's exactly right, Elizabeth, especially when you hear from this, these more than two dozen residents we spoke with and the independent testing expert who shared his results with us exclusively. Take a look. Again, I just I want, I want to harp on that a little bit. Like if, if the whole point is to show people what's going on here for the average people anywhere around the country in the world to know that this is happening, why would it be only exclusively put through News Nation where we don't get to see the data? I just I mean, I, I'm not, you know. I don't know. I don't have the full picture. I don't know what the decision-making process is on the other side of this. But if I had an interview with him, I would be able to show you the data. I'd be able to show you the actual study and the proof, which we don't get from News Nation. So I just, I'm kind of frustrated by that. I reached out to him the fifth time. I'm hoping I get him on the show. We'll see what happens. Do I think I'll ever be post-February 3rd again? Never. Thank you, Norfolk Southern. Three I now realize you, you ask almost anybody in this town, that's what you're hearing. And, and yet we're being told that's not what's happening. Months after the Norfolk Southern train derailment and controlled burn released 116,000 one. gallons of vinyl chloride into the air over East Palestine, Ohio. Which is not even the reality. That's not, see, this is frustrating to me. When you burn the vinyl chloride, you're, you, to some degree, you're releasing some vinyl chloride, but it's by and large the byproducts of burning vinyl chloride, which is dioxins and many other things. Or not many, but some other things. The point is that the vinyl chloride aspect of this 
arguably, unless there's more to the story we don't know, which I actually think there is, dissipated reasonably quickly and, or went into the ground. So the idea that it burned, you know, that it, disp- I don't know. I just, I have, a, I have a hard time watching corporate news try to stumble through a story that they clearly don't know enough about. How many people here feel that they've experienced symptoms or sickness related to the train derailment and the, and the controlled burn? There it is again. But I will give them credit for at least covering this. You know, I'm just being real. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know whether they have good intents or not, but it's good that it's being covered. But control burn. Wow. That's like every, every hand. Norfolk Southern's train went off the track, and it derailed our lives. Yeah, they're back on track, and the rest of us are picking up the pieces. That's a good way to put right. that. Residents here are angry. We invited a few to speak with us. 28 showed up. The EPA has not tested my house, my soil, nothing. And when they come to my house the other day, they will not test until they're done with the trucks. Right, and that's not what we're being told, is it? Ever up and down, we're doing everything they need and everything they ask. We're paying for everything. I mean, they're just straight up lying to us. When they're done tearing up and fixing the water contamination events, where a independent water. When they're done tearing up and yeah, fixing the tracks, the then they'll start testing part. my home. In February, independent water contamination expert Scott Smith, who has been to 60 major oil and water contamination events, came here to test the water, the soil, and something nobody has tested, furnace air filters from 15 homes in and out of the evacuation zone. You can't find what you don't look for. So we're looking in furnace filters for the broad spectrum of dioxins and other semi-volatile organic compounds and in soil and in water. To be clear, just so you guys, this guy knows what he's talking about. Take the time to look into his background. As they briefly just said, he's been involved with some major things. This guy knows what he's talking about. So it's not something you just dismiss, but that's what's happening dangerous are dioxins dioxins don't go away you get exposed over time right and dioxins i say are the fentanyl of chemicals dioxins according to the world health organization are highly toxic chemical compounds smith's results which he shared exclusively with news nation are shocking we're finding God, i a wish whole we could ra- see those documents man i wish we could break it down range of chemicals not only nine more dioxins Nine new dioxins considered some of the most potent carcinogens on Earth. There's no safe dose for humans. These residents, they're not making this up. There is something going on. And I believe it's the way these chemicals may be combining. Former EPA administrator Judith Inc. And he found um, contaminants um, in the filters, which is not surprising. And I think his work should encourage the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency now to go and grab some other filters and do similar testing and analysis. The EPA resisted calls for weeks to test for dioxins. Then, Think about how, actually, how like infuriatingly stupid this is. It is May 3rd, February 3rd, right? And they're going, can you please, like, we, we'll ask the EPA to, te- what do you mean ask them? They have, people have been screaming about the dioxin. They have yet to test for dioxins. There's no longer, there's no point at which we can pretend this is not a willful choice. Just like with the fluoride report that they're desperately trying to keep from coming out. They, do, and the EPA is involved with that too. They do not want to test because they know what's there. Now on the same conversation, which you'll hear in a minute, they also go, but dioxins are just ubiquitous in the background. Why is that okay? Why is that okay? Does the average person know that? That is actually their argument. So it's like they, they're going, we're not going to test because we know that they're there. 
But what you'll hear Scott say is that, well, it, despite that, the numbers are different than the control that was tested in a separate area. So they're just lying. There is obviously a cover up going on, but it's twofold because there is a real background problem. They just don't want everyone to know about hundreds of times past the safe level level, according to an article from 1995 from CNN. I can only imagine it's gotten worse. On March 3rd, they ordered Norfolk Southern to test. Norfolk Southern referred us back to the EPA. The <laughs> EPA confirmed to me they have not tested furnace filters and need to see Smith's full data before commenting further. Two days after the My burn, God. residents in the evacuation zone were allowed back into their homes before any testing for dioxins had been done. Do you think the EPA made the right call when they let people in East Palestine go back into their homes two days after the controlled burn? There, was that number Absolutely four? not. Two days after the controlled burn, five or six, the EPA know. said it's safe. Come on back. Was that the right decision? No. 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 I went to the ER. I had CAT scans, everything. And those doctors, she came in and she said, I'm sorry, we don't know what we're dealing with. News Nation cannot <laughs> confirm that the symptoms the residents describe are a result of the controlled burn. But what these. That's, I mean, see my point? That's like number seven. Now, that's a fair point, though. We can't, we, we can't prove that it's because of the uncontrolled burn. Medical diagnosis mean for these residents and their future, they can only guess. That whole town. But shouldn't we be mentioning that there is like four or five different doctor-diagnosed actual chemical? There's been animals diagnosed by veterinarians with chemical, uh, what was it, chemical bronchitis? No, that was actually an individual. There was a chemical poisoning that was the animals. We've had chemical bronchitis. We've had vinyl chloride and benzene tested in people's urine. You don't realize, see, even from their, from News Nation's perspective, what is the deal with soft rolling this? There are provable facts on the ground. This bothers me. It's a chemical cocktail, and we're all lab rats. You're just looking at some of the ones who have been marked. Now, the EPA says dioxins Man. are ubiquitous in nature. They were here before the derailment and the toxic burn. It's important to note that Smith says he had did a controlled group. He tested in an area nearby unaffected by the toxic plume. And the dioxins that he found here, he did not find there. Exactly. Elizabeth? All right, Rich McKee. You know, it's weird. So, damn it, I should have cut the other one. There was a, a trailer they put out where they actually had Scott say something about that. So I guess they cut that out of the full clip. That's weird. In any case, that's the point, though, right? So... Yes, there's a background problem, just like we've been telling you, right? But they're, they're playing this both ways. I, the point is, they're aware of a problem. They just don't care. They don't care about you is the only message you can take from this. They really don't. I, st I recommend following Scott because he's doing good work. I really would like to talk to him. Now, here's our tag so we can go through. You can go through and read some of the older stuff from, uh, you know, that we've covered since the moment that we're technically about 10 days after this started. Now, a couple of the points I want to get into are, again, kind of the opening about how clearly that we see them, they see that we see them, and they just don't care, but that we're seeing things we never really saw before. Like, you know, this kind of thing, we must know that this has been happening, or even things like presidential or high-authority-level body doubles. That's not a conspiracy theory. You can go back as far as you want historically, and there's always been some level of security or people. It's, it's classic, but they always like to dismiss it, but th things like this, same thing. Joe Biden's note cards, I'm sure you all saw, doesn't just tell him which reporters to call on. It includes what order to call on them in and what pre-submitted questions they're going to ask. Now, that really shouldn't surprise anybody. It's, it seems very clear how controlled and worried they would be, especially for Biden, but in any normal circumstance. So this is really just about realizing how controlled everything is. But I love how they act like it's something that it's not. The point is, this is all of it, guys, all the time, everywhere. So here, com here comes, what's her name? Courtney to do her prompt in, you know, organic question that he's completely aware of and planned for. It's ridiculous. 
and they go, there's nowhere that happened under Trump. Come on. See, this is the kind of stupidity that I can't get past. Like, we must be smarter than this. That I mean, I'm not going to say that Trump had cue cards and, and went along with it, but it's, it, all of this was still going on in one form or another. It's all scripted, controlled, and that's just politics. But outside of it, it's happening too. Now, on the it, what they're doing because of this is trying to create a technocratic control structure, in this case, just through legislation, and that we're really just about stifling free speech to stop you from being able to point this stuff out, probably in, in hopes of staving off you know, the awareness to the 90%. We can't let these we can't let this growing plus five percent that's waking people up keep shredding information. Oh, they're 20 percent now. Well, we got to shut it down. So here's one example. Ireland just passed a dangerous law making it illegal not just to to spread, but possess materials that the government has deemed hateful. You know how wildly opaque that is. So apparently if you've got a I don't know, a, a book that discusses the, the, the male, male-female dynamic, I mean, to them, that's hateful, right? So that would mean that you have a hateful, in-your-possession piece of content, and they say, under the law, people can be imprisoned if the government determines that they had intentions to distribute hateful material. You see how this game is played? How are they going to know? Like, th- this is the whole point about, this is the game they play even with, like, drug dealing and cannabis. Like, you, somebody will get arrested for having a little bag of cannabis, and they don't understand the, how much people buy or whatever, and they go, oh, intent to distribute. It's like, man, that was like a gram. <laughs> people actually know. The point is, I've seen that actually happen. And it's really just about their perception and not the reality. And even if they have good reason to think so, how do they know for sure? Don't, isn't there some kind of barrier or, you know, evidence that they have to reach but no apparently not in this case they can just decide if you possess materials that are likely to incite violence what does that even mean to them that means whatever they want it to mean so the point is you can be the person shall be presumed until the contrary is proven to have been in possession of material in contravention of this so no longer innocent until proven guilty in ireland in this case you're guilty until proven innocent which is truly how this ultimately works financial times as of i think this was a couple days ago Brazil's lawmakers to vote on fake news bill, which they claim is opposed by big tech, which I don't believe. I think it's more about making it seem like they're trying to stop this because of whatever else. Or at the end of the day, they just don't think it's profitable to have this kind of control. But from the higher ups, what they're doing here is allowing the justifiable censorship, right? Because you're going to go, well, you're going to be accountable if this happens. They're going to censor everything then. Simple as that because they don't want to be accountable for what they claim is misinformation. Brazil's Congress is poised to vote on contentious legislation to curb the spread of fake news. It's everywhere. What they say, Google and everybody else has pushed back on. It's like this fake back and forth between the, the AI fight, which I'll talk about later if I get to it here. Let's rush through this, actually, where we go, oh, no, there's an AI people that are saying we should stop. And then here's the other side saying we should continue. And ultimately, you end up getting in this left-right paradigm of AI, and it's going to drive you in the same direction. And then lastly, I just thought this was important to point out. This is a clip of, uh, what is it? Uh, oh, now I'm forgetting her name. Uh, Medea Benjamin, I believe, going out on the stage where Blinken is talking at this ridiculous World Press Freedom Index. Blinken, of all people. And she comes out. She says, we can't use this day without calling for the freedom of Assange. And I think this was John Kariaku, Car- I think. I, can't, I couldn't see it in the video. But either way. He gets up. Oh, and Blinken says, "Be careful, be careful." Thank you. So nice of you to to you know stipe, to to be tyrannical in a in a kind way. But what they ultimately say is, if you can hear it. So uh, we're we're here to celebrate 
freedom of expression and we just experienced it. Oh, oh, did you now? As I said, well, if that's what they see as freedom of expression, it sure explains a lot. Jokes aside, it's about as Orwellian as it gets. Literal, physical suppression of speech, and yet they name it freedom of expression. Think about that for a second. These elitists, and this is important in my opinion, are ridiculous and unaware of how little they influence today. Or maybe they are, and they're and they're scared and desperate. I don't know. I don't really think that. Ultimately, I, don't, I think these people don't even have that in them at this point. That's how, you know, the impunity they act with. But either way, the irony, it says, would be laughable if it wasn't so macabre. Literal suppression of speech at the World Press Freedom Index. And that's where we are. This is the illusion breaking down right in front of us, right? So quick points on foreign policy. I'm just going to rattle through this because I want to make sure we finish with this. And I only have about a half hour left. You might have seen this, and I'm going to come back to this. But Russia says Ukraine tried to hit the Kremlin with drones overnight in an assassination attempt on Putin. Now, it doesn't look like much at all. I mean, everyone's been commenting on how almost jokingly that looks like a bunch of fireworks. Now, it could be a fake story. It could be that Ukraine was doing this to get some kind of justification to act further. I mean, who knows? But question everything, guys, because this is a huge even the even the stating this happened when it didn't is a huge step, a huge escalation. The idea that they can argue he tried to get assassinated or he tried to assassinate him. And if it did happen and the U.S. didn't make that happen and Zelensky acted on his own or even worse, the Azov movement acted without Zelensky or the U.S., you can see how quickly this can get out of hand. And I think that might be the point. So keep an eye on this. and We'll have to recognize that this is all, in my opinion, being driven because of the U.S. government's agenda against Russia. That's not to say Russia good guy. It simply is the obvious fact on the ground that this has been executed. Operation Project, excuse me, aerodynamic is something you guys should look up. Now, another foreign policy, just to make you understand how one-sided and hypocritical all of this is, U.S. House passes a pro-Israel resolution. You know, which, by the way, always happens. Almost every other bill has something to do with Israel in this country, which should, you should ask why. The bill excludes any past language of previous resolutions mentioning a two-state solution or peace with Palestine. Isn't that weird? I thought, are, we, are they yelling at us very aggressively from our Biden administration that Israel's all about the two-state solution and peace? Except every time you listen to them talk, that's, they say, that's never happening. But then Biden says, that's what they want. And we're supposed to listen to what Biden thinks he's saying when Netanyahu is literally telling. No, the point is, this is how they lie to you. It's that obvious. If you care to just look past the narrative, it's literally right behind it. The resolution encourages the expansion of strengthening the Abraham Accords, which is simply normalization with Israel. Right. Oh, the Sudan. You want to normalize with Israel? We'll pretend you're not terrorists anymore or rather we'll stop lying about you being terrorists or however you want to look at it. The point is nothing changed for the Sudan other than normalization with Israel. So if they were off the if they were on the terrorist list before and they took them off for that, that means that they didn't really care if they were terrorists. If they weren't terrorists before, they were only on there politically to drive them to normalize with Israel. It's nothing to do with keeping you safe. It has nothing to do with freedom. The tone has changed significantly from past resolutions. This is from Haaretz. Saying that every year that every they commemorate Israel's independence, which is an illegal occupation of a sovereign country, because you know that's what they call freedom, apparently, and no longer included terms such as peace with the Palestinians or any mention of the two-state solution, as it always, always has. Of course, APAC was thrilled with it, actually. Hailing its passing. It just shows you how broken all of this is. And there's the best part. Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu responded to allegations. Of course, the point was that Biden is giving you some half arguments saying, well, we're concerned about the judicial reforms while ignoring all of the blatant and egregious human rights violations and illegal settlements. And, you know, every human rights organization now is calling it an apartheid state and human rights and extremist and 
literal Jewish extremism. That's the party that they're running with, and that's even the ADL from the past. But let's call me a, a racist for pointing out what they've called them, the religious Zionism party. But the point is he responds to that. Guess what he says? Saying that his country would not make decisions based on pressure from abroad. Isn't that funny how it works differently, where the U.S. can say something and they're like, we don't care what you think. Or, but Israel says something, literally every U.S. politician goes, oh, yes, absolutely. Even Trump. You can call that racist if you want. I'm only talking about the Zionist Israeli government and the obvious influence it has on this country. If you can't acknowledge that, then you seem to have some kind of bigoted racist perspective. But on other points, April 11th, the Taliban did in one year what Washington couldn't in 20. Sparking new panic? Yeah, guess what, guys? The ban on Afghan poppy cultivation is set to hit Europe's heroin supplies. <laughs> Isn't that a funny title? It's been nearly a year since the Taliban banned poppy farming. Maybe you didn't hear about this, right? Because as we've talked about before, Operation Enduring Freedom, which I called, which it is, the United States opium trade, was when the United States government occupied Afghanistan, one of many different reasons, and the Taliban had brought the opium trade down to almost, not almost, it was basically eradicated. And then moments after the U.S. occupied, it exploded 90%. You know how to make sense of that. It's quite obvious. And then guess what? It'd make it even more clear the moment the U.S. government left, boom, right back down to nothing. I mean, this is just as obvious as it gets. This is kind of a running theme today. So the point is, it says the impact of the move is set to hit global markets sometime soon, given the delay from farm to customer. It says you'd think that would bring a welcome sigh of relief, right? Isn't that what they've been screening that they want the whole time? Well, apparently not. Reports are now suggesting that a lack of Afghan heroin on the global market and a reduction of available natural opioids like heroin, of course, they are could lead to fentanyl. <laughs> or the more obvious point is all of these black markets are using the heroin and, and opium that's been produced by the U.S. government in Afghanistan to fill their markets, including opioids in this country. And now suddenly there's a shortage. How do you not add that up? If there's a shortage of opioids, where do you think it was coming from? The illegal growth of opium in Afghanistan under the watchful eye of the United States. This is as simple as it gets. I just think it's almost comical. But the point is the, Tal Afghan, the Taliban brought it right back down. So why, who, let's see what happens next. But it says if it's the case, it's only because Washington and the West are about as competent at curtailing skyrocketing drug overdose deaths as they were at tackling the cultivation of Afghan opioids. Well, I think the point is they didn't want to stop either. It's all about the illusion. But their point are that uh, these opioids and even fentanyl, they're procured through prescriptions with America's own healthcare system. We're being lied to about damn near everything. I hope we can see that. One last quick point is this make fun of, remember Juan Guaido? Remember that the, the real president of Venezuela, who apparently has just walked across the border into Colombia, and then they kicked him out and he flew to Miami on the dime of the U.S. government? Still the leader, oh, I guess not, actually, because they don't care about him anymore, and they kicked him to the curb and, and start talking about Venezuela's needed. Oh, because oil, that's right. Well, this is what it looks like to sell your country out for, a, for the U.S. government. You mean nothing to them, just like the Kurds, just like any number of examples of people that they use and act like they're so important until the moment that they don't need them anymore. Like all the people that they were fighting with in Venezuela, they just kicked to the curb and are, some of them are arrested and are still in jail in Colombia. But who cares? Dear Venezuelans, today he went to inform, he followed this statement. He said uh, later, oh, well, this was uh, this one's the point right here. Venezuelan opponent Juan Guaido confirms that he has fled to Colombia. I have just arrived in Colombia in the same way that millions of Venezuelans have done on foot. So the, the, according to the U.S. government, the real leader of Venezuela just walked to Colombia. It's just pretty stupid and, and, I mean, funny in its own right. 
But he says, due to the direct threats to my family and the daughter and daughters of the Maduro regime. I just weirdly written this translation. So but so he's saying he's being threatened by Maduro, which have spread to Colombia. You mean the U.S. ally that Lindsey Graham and everybody else swears up and down is like completely in line with their agenda? How does that make sense? I'm taking this flight. Until we achieve free elections in Venezuela, we'll continue to fight. Yeah, nobody cares, Guaido. You're not important anymore. You never were. And the sad reality is you're desperate to be relevant, and you were just a pawn in this game. Free elections. You mean the ones that they had that multiple international experts said were completely fair, and the only one that said otherwise was the lying U.S. Yep, exactly. And that's why it ends up this way. But guess what? Here's Juan Guaido arriving in Miami after the expulsion ordered by the government in Colombia. It wasn't Colombian average people. It was the government. So an ally of the U.S. government. So he's completely lost, and the U.S. government doesn't care about him to the point where their own ally governments are going to get the hell out of here. And on top of that, Maduro is accusing, which is not even hard to understand, that the U.S. government actually paid for all of this. Probably because this was getting really embarrassing, and they want to shuttle this guy away, and I'm willing, he probably disappears shortly. <laughs> That's usually how that works. But your tax dollars paid for all of this. And he says... After more than a month of not seeing them with my family, basically he arrives in the United States, making that clear. Thanks to the unconditional support of dozens of brave and honorable people who help, yeah, the U.S. government, we understand. And he's back with his family in the United States. That's how that works. Reunited with his family. Right, this guy tried to coup and overthrow a government, right? I mean, just think about that at the behest of the U.S. Here he is, living in the United States on your dollar. Just so we're clear on that. Now, COVID-19 points that I want to rattle off before we finish with this is simply to understand, here's Sheldon's health defense, that these things are dangerous and that they are contaminated. I have had an interview with so, uh, uh, Elijah, uh, Sonia Elijah, as well as Jessica Rose and a few others on this interesting topic, both about uh, uh, truncated spike proteins and contamination within them and all these anomalies that are, are not even in the conversation of the conspiratorial stuff. These are scientific studies by people and in independents that proving that these things are, are not pro- I mean, even to the, even to the point to where their, their own research is beginning to back this up like Pfizer and Moderna, but she says, we don't know how much DNA from bacteria or viruses or animals is okay to inject you with. Nobody really knows, but we know a little bit isn't a good thing and more of it's worse. In other studies using other methods, we're finding what looks like dirt in the vaccines and nobody knows what it is. Do you realize this is, this is wild how crazy this continues to get and people are just acting like it's all over. We're, we're on to some other story. Oh, you're still talking about these things? You're crazy. You mean, you took, you mean the thing you took seven of and you don't care? <laughs> it's, it's crazy. As Craig Kelly points out, they knew about this. The, the, the risk to specifically pregnant people, women, excuse me. I actually didn't mean to say that. Serious adverse events in babies after pregnant women breastfeed or after they have birth and breastfeed and it passes down. But read the studies. We've talked about most of this already. And I want to point something out that Dr. Uh, Naomi Wolf just posted something from Daily Clout. Pfizer and FDA and the CDC knew dire harm to babies. And it's, we, we already talked about many of these, right? But this is actual evidence showing you the time frame of when they knew it. And as you know, I've been screaming about this. Not, not necessarily the point they're making about the evidence that, they, that you, they knew, but we did know that too, but that we just knew that at the face value, they had no evidence of it being safe. And yet they were screaming that it was. Now it goes one step further. And they're telling people, I think it was this, hold on, where was it? Right here. I just said it right here, I think. I just had been screaming about this for years, which I said feels funny to say that, but sadly years is correct. And now we have even more evidence that not only were they pushing a shot on pregnant women they did not know was safe, but they were pushing a shot that they knew was unsafe. 
This is where it gets into criminal action where we can, you know, sue these people potentially. But we also have evidence of uh, more higher ups admitting or getting caught for faking their injections. Now, Bolsonaro was pretty open about the fact that he wasn't pro-vaccine. But in any case, his home is being searched now by Lula, arguably the government, the current government, because he faked vaccine cards to get into the United States. So more and more we're being shown that this is the reality. Was this all of them, some of them, the majority, the minority? Support, we should find this out. But it's beginning to look like most of these higher-ups at least had the option. Then, of course, to the Office of National Statistics, 12,420 deaths were registered in England and Wales in the week ending of April 21st, which, by the way, was 22.9% above the average, a five-year average. Still have, So we're still baffled, though. You said we're baffled. We have no clue except the obvious injection that's clearly cooked. But no, we're baffled, guys. We have no idea. Long COVID will pretend. No, this is obvious. And as I said with the meme, this is fine. I mean, just look forward. We're not going to care, right? Chief Nerd also points out that now autism is at 1 in 36, which it's actually higher than that, but that's the stated number, and shows this graph. How obviously this explodes. But I added this. The National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act of 1986. That. And I said, fixed it. <laughs> Which not to be you know, insulting or anything. I just think that's funny. The point is that was where this started. Like the 1970 forward is more of a, I bet you, an ebb and flow. From 1986 forward is where this really blew up. And it's not hard to see. That's the injection overlap for a lot of different reasons. And Norman, Professor Norman Fenton has been pointing out the illusion of the efficacy of these. Or the, this on the other side, the severity with the, tw- the 21 to 14 day window where they hide everything. He says, why classifying a person as unvaccinated for the first two or three weeks after vaccination is guaranteed to result in high efficacy results for a vaccine that is just a placebo. Read it for yourself. He breaks this down. It's not, you, have to, you don't have to believe that's what happened, but you can prove that it could happen and it seems most likely. Now, I'm going to finish with just, I'm going to skip this stuff because I'm just time-wise. The AI point that they're saying that they're going to, Basically, the godfather of AI quit Google, as it says, gives warning about the future of technology. He says, I don't think they should scale this up until they understood what's happening. And I think it's funny how Breitbart says danger of AI. This is what the Guardian frames it as. He quits and warns of dangers of misinformation. <laughs> I mean, you just can't make this up. These people are ridiculous. Now, there's a part of this, but they're misrepresenting what he's actually saying. It's just it's because that's the agenda they're pushing. But overall... There's implants already happening, brain chips, and 50 people to cure blindness, which apparently was a company that beat out Elon Musk. As Marion points out, it works by 100 microneedles, and we've already talked about this exact technology in this discussion, the Charles Lieber connection, from nanotechnology to COVID to technocracy. It's important to understand what this is, and she just put out a really good post, an activist post, from China Spy to Two Days Already Served. The reality is there's something to this, guys. And I'm very, I feel very strongly that the, at the very least, the technology basis has been kind of hidden in the background of Charles Lieber that is kind of the central point for everything that's happening, even outside of injections. And I wanted to include this, which is just a, one of his companies that he started is involved with quantum dots and in lar- mass production. And I wanted to make sure you saw that this was associated with the vaccines. Quantum dots delivered to the skin by microneedle patches record, record vaccination. Right. So what we're talking about is not the vaccination part, but rather the recording of vaccination. And it says quantum dots are invisible to the naked eye, yet detectable when exposed to near infrared light. 
It's like this Lucifer, the, the, the uh, uh, Lucifer race discussion, right? Where you, this is something that you could actually see and you could prove what maybe that's already in there. These findings suggest that intradermal in your body under the skin, quantum dots can be used to reliably encode information <clears throat> and can be delivered with a vaccine which may be particularly valuable in the developing world and opens up new avenues for decentralized data storage and biosensing. Fantastic. 2019. I forget. I don't think this one was a evolving Lieber, but the point was quantum dot discussion is what this is about. That's what he was focusing on. Now, all of that being said, in the conversation of Lieber and the overlap and where the dangers involved Ethical Skeptic came out with something just today or the, on the first that I think is really important. Thank you to Anicia for pointing this out, talking about the infected diplomats from Botswana. As he says, now let's just look directly at the thread breakdown. Makes it easy to look at. We published these chart, this chart, these chart, this chart almost as soon as Omicron was sequenced. This is what he's finding. Now you come to your own conclusions about this, but I think this is very important. Now, I'm not going to go deep into all the graphs for limited time, but I want you guys to take the time to look at this because it's very interesting. His opinion, based on the data, that Omicron did not arise from a Wuhan Alpha Delta overlap. So it's, he's arguing it's not even connected with what this was, that it was much, much older than COVID-19, conferred immunity on much of the PAC Asia and Africa, which is arguably, he says, why they had the different experience, where we saw it explode in the United States because they already had immunity. Now, you can look at these for yourself. Like I said, there's one of these I wanted to point out, actually. I think it's down here. I was going to go through all of them, but China fought this virus in secret, he says, hoping that it would just go away and not reveal the PLA's disastrous operation of a clandestine biowarfare lab. Now, is that working overlap with the United States? Does he see it that way? I don't know. But ultimately, the argument is that this was going on for a long time and they're just keeping it hidden from us. How this ended up in front of us is interesting. Oh, this was the timeline, just basically showing you this stuff. And you can see here, Respiratory illness, Department of Health. His point is this stuff was all over. This makes sense when we know that the, the nursing homes in the United States, right, Fort Detrick, these were all before we talked about COVID-19. And you can see this goes back to 2018 and before. Arguably finding these, like we've talked about Canada, finding COVID-19 in, in, uh, or SARS-CoV-2 in waste samples from 2018. They were frozen waste samples. Why nobody talks about that? It's obvious. But he's saying here, VA respiratory illness. We talked about that one, right? That is in 2000, before 2019. This one's interesting. Wisconsin Pediatric Hospital. Guess what? Distress symptom uh, sy- syndrome, pneumonia with glass opacities. Funny how that just doesn't get talked about anymore. Clearly, this is something potentially that was there before. SARS-CoV-2, he says, is not a fast mutating virus. All of its diversity came across extensive amounts of time, which based on the graph and the data we do have from before, you know, the, 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 the data we're getting, which we should question all of this, by the way, it seems to suggest that, that, that it just exploded. That which doesn't make sense with, with, with what we're told is the classic understanding of this. Nothing in this global play act makes sense until one reconciles this with all the other deductive bases. Now, he says Omicron is old, 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 old. He says it is not the same virus as Wuhan. It is not a white hat release. Now, that's what's interesting. So I've been theorizing about whether this was it deliberately let go in Botswana. And I'm going to go through this other data in a minute to finish. But what he's saying is it wasn't even something like that. It did not, whether white or black hat, he said it did not jump seven years of evolution in one month. Unless one comprehends this, they'll be stuck in, infer, in, in inferential days and confusion. He says China and Asia were not successful with lockdowns, which is the argument. He says they simply bore prior immunity from earlier exposure 
which for some reason the West is not allowed to acknowledge. Lockdowns and vaccines were the result of panic, social coercion mixed with bad science. So to a degree, it's almost like this little bit of a lack of accountability to a degree, like they actually just made mistakes. I mean, I don't know. I don't believe that really. I, but this is really fascinating. And all of this is rooted in data other than certain points that he, like this is his, I would argue his opinion based on the data. Either way, this is really important. Now, one thing I want to show you here. Oh, first of all, um, he mentions uh, there. Oh, I'll get into the, the comments right here. This person asked some good comments. Now he says, China. Oh, we read those parts. Oh, it's right here. Sorry. They say, I forgot all about this. If this is correct, what are, what are we thinking? Omicron was Wuhan strain circulated much earlier. Then what is Alpha, Delta, and so on? How does this square with the RATG13? Now, what that is, so you guys can remember. That's right. Sorry, right here. Bat coronavirus, RATG13, is a SARS-like beta coronavirus that infects the horseshoe bat. The point being is this is COVID-19. People are arguing the basis for it, at the very least, and that there's all these patents and overlaps, and it's important. But she, she says neither Wuhan or Omicron is, is anything near what he's talking about with Rat G13. He says that was a ruse for our enjoyment and distraction. So what does it mean, basically? If Omicron was OG leaked, and he says many viruses were released, in his opinion. Wuhan was just another in a series of gain-of-function variants that happened poor, handled poorly. But the function, so there were some variations, apparently, based on their gain-of-function, which is like a bioweapon. But the function in this case was a was a weaponized or is a bioweapon was a weaponized one for Wuhan. I suspect they are still keeping their fingers crossed that even worse ones don't show up. Now, that would imply that that's U.S. and China together. So because we know of the overlap there. Very interesting. Now, the last point. Was to talk about the pre-existing not last point, but next point is the pre-existing immunity. Right. So what he's saying is ultimately they didn't suffer because they had earlier exposure. Now, here's something that backs that up. I've been showing you these two studies from the very beginning, and I don't know why. No. And just like his point, apparently we're not allowed to acknowledge this. This one is from 2020. The point was SARS-CoV-2 specific T cell immunity in cases of COVID-19 and SARS. So right there, the point is that people had SARS-CoV-2 or whatever we're telling us we're dealing with immunity, T cell immunity, high level if they had been in contact with SARS, which was a lot of people, right? Or we're told anyway. So why doesn't that ever become a point? I think you know why. But here's the kicker. Uninfected controls. You read the study. The point was this, the control was set up to do this study. And then it turned out that they found an unexpected point, which was that the uninfected controls apparently also had T-cell immunity to SARS-CoV-2. Why don't we care about that? That means they weren't even infected or come in contact with what we say is happening and they still had it. That makes a lot of sense with what he's saying, doesn't it? That there was something that's been around, like, and this is why we not talked about the previous discussions in the United States and Italy and Taiwan and Japan and all the places that say they saw this before it was seen in China. Here's another one. This one goes to 2021 in March. A majority, a majority of uninfected adults in the United States, or rather where uh, this was in the location that's being done, show pre-existing antibody reactivity, right? So people that were not infected, a majority of adults already had antibodies. So now you've got uninfected controls with T-cell immunity and a majority of adults in the country who have antibodies to what they say just happened. Why, the point, nobody even talks about this because that blows up everything. Seems pretty telling, doesn't it? Now here is what gets most interesting to me. 
We've got about 10 minutes left, so let's focus on these last few points. I think this is really important. I'm going to be on an interview shortly. That's why I have to go. But statement on the new COVID-19 variant from the Botswana government. We've, we've shown you this so many times. November 26th was when it was posted, but the main point is November 7th. It says the new virus, we're talking about Omicron here, before it was named, you can see the number, was detected on four foreign nationals who had entered Botswana on the 7th of November on a diplomatic mission. A diplomatic mission. And I'll, I'm going to show you, to this day, they, no one, they're even going out of their way to say, we're not going to tell you who they are. Why would that be? They want to make it political, but I think it's much bigger than that. So the, oh, the main point is, it clearly started in Botswana. I'm going to show you next. Not only have they tried to hide that, but now they even edited the Wikipedia page to change the data. Now, what actually happened here? Why are we all told it started in South Africa now? I think it has to do with whatever happened with those diplomats. Now, to include what he's saying, it either could be, in my opinion, that they released this, or it could be this was some sort of a, uh, you know, as he says here, where was that point? It did not, they did not jump seven years of evolution. So this is not some organic thing, but he claims they didn't release it. It's not the same as this before. So I, I guess the only conclusion then would be it was an accidental release. I just, something That doesn't make sense to me. But come to your conclusions about how this adds up. To me, I feel quite strongly this was some sort of an attempt at something. I don't know. That'd be my opinion, though. Now, here is where it gets even more interesting. How a Harvard-affiliated lab in Botswana became the first to identify the Omicron variant. You mean Harvard, like, like Charles Lieber, like Jeffrey Epstein? That doesn't mean everybody Harvard is suspect, but ultimately, it's interesting to see a Harvard-affiliated lab at the time when they're working in the same stuff is in Botswana that becomes the first one to, um, to identify the thing that changed everything. Botswana-Harvard-AIDS Institute partnership. Interesting. That's November 29th. So very clearly, this Boston Globe is saying, yes, it was found in Botswana, the first to identify it. Here is the VOA from December 4th, 2021. To reveal or not to reveal Omicron origins. That's strange, right? Now it says, but in Botswana, where the variant was first reported, officials say what matters is, what it, where, is that it was discovered, not where it came from. Well, that's interesting. And what they want you to think is politics. It's going to be racist. Well, no, this is a cover-up, guys. That's what it feels like to me, my opinion. Botswana and South Africa were the first to report the new variant, so they blend them together, which is said to be highly contagious and spread around the globe. Nope, not true. Initially, Omicron was thought to have originated from Botswana, but the Southern African country was quick to dismiss the reports, which is not even what they just said. I'll prove it to you in a second, though. President of the country of Botswana, interview with CNN, said the variant was detected in diplomats who visited Botswana but passed through Europe. Okay, it still doesn't change the fact. Not, that's not saying it didn't. It was first discovered in Botswana. That's the point. Quote, the diplomats came from a number of countries. Now, assume, let's just say they were organically bringing it around, well, that would make sense. But what if they didn't? Well, if they went through Europe and this was something they were carrying and released? That would be just a thought. The diplomats came from a number of, of countries. So it seems like he's saying of many countries, they're countries of origin. They're countries of workstation, and they passed through a number of countries to get to Botswana. He says, yes, some have been to Europe and some have been elsewhere. It would seem the very creation of this new virus is a result of intervention from a diversity of sources. Interesting. But Botswana minister says tracing the variant's origins will only stigmatize the country where it's traced. See, they're using politics. Where the virus originates from is not important. Yeah, it is. There are not going to be geopoliticizing this virus. What is important is to applaud our scientists who have discovered or found the virus to make the world aware. He says we will not disclose the nationalities of the four diplomats or their countries of origin. 
I'm going to go ahead and guess Israel and the United States. What do you think? Just my opinion. While the new variant is said to be highly infectious in Botswana, not true, with a population of 2.4 million, the infection rate has been slow. 24 cases. That's it. Mild symptoms. So they literally have a real-world example, but they're going, it's super dangerous. Why? Because the CDC said. While Botswana maintains it is not important to report the place of discovery, reiterating that, scientists say that they should tell, but they're not. How ridiculous. Well, here's the Wikipedia page. Currently, November 4th, South African scientists begin seeing samples where PCR tests have the S gene and blah, blah, blah. The whole S gene discussion, that's all they did is just remove or add one of these PCRs and pretend it was something new. So it could be something not new. But either way, South African scientists begin seeing these samples. Where are they in South Africa? I guess we have to guess at that, don't we? November 8th, the first confirmed sample would be eventually named Omicron was collected in South Africa. Well, wait a minute. Okay, well, let's go back and look at what they did say before they updated this. Back when the information was the same that Boston Globe and plenty of others were saying. Well, November 9th, the first sample of what would eventually be named Omicron was collected in Botswana. What? By South African scientists. So that doesn't just change because that's the story. And Botswana said that. Most of the independent media and some of the corporate media said the same. What you're looking at is Wikipedia's effort to rewrite history. That's not true. You can prove this, which I have in past discussions. So the point here is that South Africa may have been involved with Botswana, but they found it in Botswana, which the time frame is undeniable, where you can see Botswana saying, yep, we found, where was that now? You could say we found this on November 7th, which does, which underlines the point. If even by their new point, it was found in November 8th, the first confirmation, the point is the South African scientists were doing this in Botswana with Botswana. They're just rewriting history, guys. It's very simple. Now, here are some ones we t- talked about before. DOD in Botswana before Omicron. Yeah, exactly. So let's think Harvard-affiliated, school, uh, Harvard-affiliated, uh, where was it, lab in Botswana was the first to identify it, right? Well, the DOD was there too. March 19, 2021. Interesting. U.S. government funds COVID-19 isolation clinics across Botswana. Understand, they didn't do that everywhere. So now we've got a Harvard lab that identified it. We've got the U.S. government in location with their isolation clinics. Isn't that interesting? Dr. Andrew G. Huff, who is talking about the bioweapon that this is, that is not too surprising. He says, good find, though, when somebody posted this. He says, sometimes people working on spooky mission in the military have diplomatic passports. That's my point. He says he's had one. It's completely different customs experience. Yeah, there are none. You can bring in whatever you want, and there are no customs. Same thing. Lastly, a couple points. Omicron subvariants, this is a show we did in 2022, have exact same mutation. Now, what we're talking about is the variants of Omicron, right? So his argument, though, is that it's not what we're talking about. So there has been a sleight of hand this entire time. So this thing comes out. And he argues it's old and been here the entire time. So most people already have immunity to it. But then suddenly these new things start popping out. Now, is that just a compilation of fake information, fake PCR tests? But the point is, in this case, exact same mutation as a previous gain of function infectivity experiment. So maybe this one was added to the mix. In any case, you can see that we're being lied to about the dynamic in general. This one, 2022, new Omicron variants as they continue to explode, focus on the jabbed. Now, here's what's interesting. 
That's what we did see, which they're forced to admit now that people that got the injections, whether through this regulation of their immune system or the fact that most everybody else who didn't have a broken immune system already had some form of immunity to it. Right. So the people that got the injections that destroyed their immune system, they suddenly caught catch the thing that was already there. Assuming what he's saying is true. Last point. This Omicron, the self-spreading vaccine. Now, to, to, finish, to think about this at the end, the point is that we know that the information around this was lied. We've been lied to about the danger, about the, the efficacy, about everything we're talking about here in regard to the injection. So I genuinely wonder about whether the original, the impetus of this, the original point was about some kind of self-replicating, self-spreading concept. Just by the way that we've talked about the spike protein and shedding of mRNA and all of it. But if the Omicron aspect was something new or accidental or some older part of it, the question should be whether or not this was something that, you know, I've honestly asked from the very beginning whether or not this was something that they were testing and it got out of control and the actions they took were genuinely trying to stop something they didn't understand and it only made it worse. That's not any kind of a removal of accountability. These people are criminals and they are ridiculous, but it's possible that they just realized that it was not going in the direction they wanted, that it was hurting the people that went along with the plan. And maybe that's what we're watching. As always, guys, I'm hoping that this can connect dots for people, ask questions, which are always appropriate. It doesn't matter what they call conspiracy theory or what they pretend is, you know, violate. The bottom line is it doesn't matter if there's anything to go on. You are always, it's always responsible to ask questions. Just make sure you find facts to back it up. Or if you don't, continue to say you don't know. So thank you for being here today, guys, and we will have more coming your way very soon. I love you all, as always. Question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.